View family, welcome home. The View is a place of real and imperfect people coming together to worship the real and perfect God. We believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and our mission is to make His name known in the city of Memphis. No matter what you've been through, no matter where you've come from, you belong here. Here at The View, we are training up believers to be bold enough to use their voice for the gospel. Since Christ died for the sins of the world, since He gave up His life for us, we're called to give up our lives for Him. In other words, it's not about me anymore. This semester, we're going to talk about love, a word that's thrown around so casually. But what does true, sacrificial love look like? How do we live in it, and how do we show it to others? We need to look to the one who sacrificed his life for us. This is real love. The title of my sermon tonight is The Fruit of a Disciple. The Fruit of a Disciple. If you are uh, taking notes, write that real big at the top. Nothing flashy. Um, I told Daniel, I just want to come up here and talk to you guys tonight. We're going to talk about what fruit is and what the fruit of a disciple is. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6 tonight. You can turn there right now if you want to. Luke chapter 6. And if you've been in church long enough, you kind of know this word fruit, right? You hear it tossed around a lot. You hear it in Scripture a lot. It's a great analogy that Jesus uses that many people in the Bible use. Uh, but what does this term fruit actually mean? Like what does it really mean to bear fruit, to have fruit? Um, it, it, it really just means what is produced, right? It's something that is produced from you, right? A tree produces some sort of fruit, and that's what comes from the tree, right? And so what we're wanting to talk about tonight is asking ourselves the question, what are we producing? As a believer, as a non-believer, as somebody who loves Jesus, as somebody who doesn't love Jesus, we're going to talk about it all tonight. We're going to talk about what we are producing as college students. And you know this, this sign over here says real love, but are you producing real love? Is that something that overflows out of you? Is that something that um, you have a hard time uh, let, letting out of you? Is there evil things coming out of you? Is there evil thoughts coming out of your mind? That's what we're going to really dig into tonight. Um, and so really tonight we want to talk about um, this idea of fruit. And so I want to ask you a question and I want to really challenge you. If there is anything in your heart tonight that is keeping you from exhibiting and, and showing fruit, we want to get to the root of that. What is that for you tonight? Because I promise you, whatever comes into your heart and, and whatever comes out of your mouth and out of your body and actions, it will be a product of what's in your heart. So we're going to get to the root of it. We're going to dig in. We're going to have some fun. Um, we're going to tell some stories. And, and I want to tell you a little bit about whenever I was in high school. Um, I used to play sports, and I loved playing sports. Uh, but you can always tell the people who love the sport, right? They're the athletes that are all about being um, being in the game, playing well, they want to they work out well. You look at Adam Neely, he's a guy that, that obviously loves the sport he plays. He's massive. And so he works out hard. He works hard for what he likes to do, guys. And so you can tell that from the way that he uh, plays his sport. He throws shot at Memphis. He's a stud, if you don't know him already. Um, but you can tell that he loves what he does. He has a passion for what he does. And you can, if you, maybe you didn't play sports, maybe it translates more into the classroom for you. If you know sweet Aliana, if you know Aliana, she's the sweetest person in the world. She has such a passion for nursing 
that it overflows out of her in her studies and in the way that she takes exams. She aces all of her exams and, and she, she does those things because it, it's, a, it's a love for nursing that she wants to learn in order to help people, in order to grow with people, in order to um, really come alongside someone and minister to somebody. That's a passion of hers. Whereas me, man, I was just in school, just kicked back. I, I just was trying to get by. That was the, the student aspect of things was not my thing. I just didn't care that much about school. Um, but, but you can tell it's an overflow of what you really care about. It's an overflow of what you love. And so that's what we really want to talk about tonight um, as we dive into this idea of the fruit of a disciple. And it needs to be a time of reflection. It needs to be a time of uh, really looking at yourself. What are we producing? And a lot of people... Um, you hear this word disciple, but you don't really know what it means. All it means is a follower, right? It means follower. And we'll follow all kinds of things in this world, guys. We'll follow all kinds of people. Um, Instagram is a perfect example. <laughs> we literally have a follow button, and we just, like, follow somebody. But what that follow button does is, is create something that, that we are attached to that person. If we really want to follow them, we will watch what they do. We will see what they do. We will try to emulate what they do. Y'all know Dakota he loves The Rock. I don't know if y'all, I mean, I, yes, sir. Dakota loves The Rock. And, and if Dakota follows The Rock on Instagram and he sees how he's eating, he sees how he's working out, he sees how he's doing all his daily activities to get like, looking like he is because that's a big man. Dakota, if Dakota wants to, if he truly follows him, he will try to emulate some of those things that The Rock does. He'll try to emulate some of the things that, um, that, that he he sees production in. And so you might see some of the same fruit. So Dakota, you're trying to get big. Just look at the rock. But, but we want to really think about who we're following. And guys, I'll tell you tonight, if we can just be real and honest, the only person we're following, obviously, is Jesus Christ. Is the only person worth following. Everything else in this world leaves us fleeting. It leaves us empty. It leaves us broken. Anything in this world will leave you that way, except for the love of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, we're going to take the Bible, and we're going to look a lot at how being madly in love with Jesus translates into us living for Jesus. And so we want to talk about that tonight. Background of Luke 6. Um, Jesus had just started his ministry in Galilee. And so if you know much about the Bible, this is like his first um, section of ministry in Galilee that he's doing here. He's been healing people. He's been cleansing lepers. He's been driving out demons. And he had just called his 12 disciples as well. And so he has these 12 guys that he's really pouring into that are following him. Uh, the only person we're following. They're following him uh, in, into the ways that he has taught them. But he's teaching them something very countercultural. He's teaching them, if you know anything about Jesus, you know that he doesn't go with what the culture says and what the culture does. He goes completely opposite of, he, he was completely opposite of their culture, but he's also completely opposite of our culture today. It translates over the same way. I mean, he was teaching people to love their enemies. What? Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to love someone who has harmed them or somebody who has hurt them in the past or somebody who doesn't really think the same way that they do. He was telling them to be blessed because they were persecuted for his namesake. You are blessed because you're persecuted. You're blessed because people come at you and, and, and mock you for the name of Jesus. You're blessed because of that. That's so countercultural. And not to judge one another. He's teaching people um, not to be judges of, of each other, but to love each other with all humility. And so then we come to our passage in Luke chapter 6. Uh, in verse 43 is where we're going to be. So get to verse 43. And we'll jump in. 
It says a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For from his mouth speaks, excuse me, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. And so we're going to talk about three things that disciples and fruit, three things that uh, disciples um, have about their fruit. And the first one is disciples can't produce fruit unless they are connected to the true vine. And that's long, so take a second to write that. But let it sink in. Disciples can't produce fruit unless they are connected to the vine. And we're going to talk about what the vine is in just a second. Um, but verse, 30, verse 43 and 44 say it so good. And, and it's, a, a, again, a countercultural thing that we don't listen to. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. Think about that for a second. And on the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For it, each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. And I was like, what, the, what is a bramble bush? It is a uh, blackberry bush, if you were wondering. It's a blackberry bush. So you ain't going to have blackberries or grapes coming out of a blackberry bush, is what it's saying. Um, so tonight, we see that Jesus addresses both of these trees, right? We're going to look at both of them. It says, for the tree is, not know, is known by its fruit. And so if a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, I want you to know that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're never going to sin, but you should be producing fruit if you are a, a believer in Jesus Christ. We should be having an outward expression of the inward love that we have for Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. It should be that way always. And so tonight we're going to look at John 15. You don't have to turn there, but this is an amazing passage. Write this in your notebook. Circle it. This is an amazing passage. Go back and read it, but we're going to dive into it tonight because he's really talking to his disciples at this point about how being connected to him is related to bearing fruit. So we're going to look at how that connects and how that uh, comes to fruition here in John chapter 15. Verse 1, it says, I am the true vine. Jesus is talking, so we know who the vine is now. It says, I am the true vine. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So God is obviously concerned by this verse with our fruit. He's concerned by how we're living. He wants to prune us and, and grow us. And sometimes that means struggle. Sometimes that means hardship. That means rubbing knuckles with people. That means getting down deep into yourself and saying, Hey, I know I have this dilemma, but I know that God is also growing me in this. So, so he wants us to produce fruit. We obviously see that. Keep reading. It says, in verse 3, you are, clean, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Some versions say, abide in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it is removed by the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. We are unable to live a fruitful life without being connected to the only person that is, give, is the giver of life. We've already talked about things that we follow in this world. They don't give life, guys. They don't give life. What they do is, is destroy life, right? They bring death, right? But we see that here in this passage, it says, Remain in me, and I will make you fruitful. So we know automatically, off the jump, that we're supposed to be connected to the true vine. We're supposed to be connected to Jesus. And so if you keep looking, 
It, I mean, it's, it's incredible. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So he's clear that we can't do anything apart from him. He goes on to say, if anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father, listen to this, verse 8 is incredible. My father is glorified by this. Anyways, what Jesus is saying is, star this, I'm about to tell you how you can glorify me. He says, he says that you produce much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. This is so awesome, guys. He says that he is glorified by the fruit that we have, by the actions that we have, by what comes out of us, what dwells in us. Yes, we obviously want to be good with him in our hearts. That's, that we're going to get to that eventually. But what he's saying here is, is that he, it glorifies him to, to do things for him, to have fruit because of him. And it's cool that it proves that you are a follower of him. It proves that you are a follower of him. If you truly love Jesus, you will do things for his kingdom. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to have good works to be saved. Don't hear me say that. We know in Ephesians chapter 2, we'll jump there right now. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not from your works that no man can boast. We obviously know that verse. We know that that verse talks about how we are not saved by anything, any work that we do. This baptism water does not save you. There's nothing that we can do apart from putting our full faith and our full trust in Jesus that saves us, right? But people don't keep reading in this passage. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship. He's talking to believers here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So we don't work for our salvation, but we work from our salvation, right? Can I get an amen? We don't work for it. We, we work from it. We work from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. Uh, we, don't, we don't have fruit because of our, anything that we do. We have fruit from the salvation that he's given us. And so now we're going to kind of flip the, flip the script here, and we're going to talk about the bad tree. The bad tree doesn't produce good fruit, right? And it says figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes aren't gathered from a bramble bush. You cannot build something. You can't get oranges from an apple tree, you can't get apples from an orange. That's what he's saying here. You can't get something that is not the fruit of that person. And let me tell you something else. You can't get fruit from a dead tree either. And that one's hard. That one's hard because that makes you question and, and have to analyze yourself. You can't get fruit from a dead tree. The Bible talks about how we are dead spiritually as soon as we are born, right? We are dead spiritually. Ephesians, again, it's one of my favorite books. It says, um, and you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Ephesians 2.1 says that. So we are dead spiritually. And I know that some of you here tonight have not repented of your sins. You have not actually given your life to Jesus. We're going to jump off and just talk about it here. As we're, as we're thinking about this, we have to know that a dead tree can't produce fruit because if you haven't fully repented of your sins, turn from your own ways, right? Turn from the ways of this world and actually put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Spiritually speaking, you are dead. And that's hard. That's hard to think about. These analogies are so hard to think about. Uh, but but I want to I remind you that a lot of us, we try to work. We try to do good things. We try to work our way. And, and some people will even tell you if, you, if you talk to somebody on U of M campus, I promise you'll hear this. You'll hear somebody say, oh, well, I think I'll get to heaven because I'm, you know, maybe my good is up here and my bad is down here. 
It doesn't work like that. We cannot do enough good works in order to get us in right standing with God, right? And so uh, I want to tell you a story. My sister uh, is here actually with us tonight. I have two younger sisters. I have a sister named Anna and a sister named Lauren. Uh, Lauren is the middle child, and I'm the oldest, and Anna Grace is the youngest. And me and Anna Grace were tight, y'all. I'm telling you, me and Anna Grace, we were so cool. We were about seven years apart, and so we could just, uh, you know, kick it without getting mad at each other. We didn't have to fight or fuss or do anything like that. But my middle sister, y'all, she was a middle sister. <laughs> she was a middle sister. I mean, we fought. We had, these, we had these brawls. I mean, my mom had to pull us apart a couple of times just because we were, we were just fighting all the time. But whenever we were younger... Lauren saw me give my life to Jesus, right? And so she decides that she wants to give her life to Jesus, and, and, which is great. Obviously, I think the Lord can move in those things. But she didn't really make it a change in her heart, right? She, she just wanted to do what somebody else had done. She wanted to do uh, what I had, she had seen her older brother do. And so she went her whole life kind of just living her own way, you know, doing things here and there that she knew were good, read her Bible, do this and that, you know, all the stuff that you're supposed to do as a Christian. And she gets to her sophomore year in college, and she analyze, she's sitting in a service one night, and she's analyzing herself and saying, you know, I don't know if like, I actually have fruit in my life. I don't know if I actually am bearing fruit that is kingdom fruit, that is glorifying the Lord kind of fruit. So she asked herself, and she questioned, and she wondered if she actually was connected to the true vine. If you don't have a root, you won't have fruit, right? So if you don't have a root, in Jesus Christ, you won't have fruit. And so she realized that. She came to her senses, and she, and she knew that she needed to give her life to Jesus. And, and she, was, she felt bad because she was like, people are going to judge me. People are going to think, oh, I've been a Christian this whole time. You know, they're going to they're gonna judge what I, you know, what I, this decision that I'm making. But guys, she came to the realization that she didn't care what anybody else thought. She didn't care what anybody else said about her. She knew she needed Jesus. She knew she needed Jesus, and she didn't have him. She didn't have a relationship with him. And so she gave her life to Jesus. She was baptized at her church a few weeks later, and, and several people had the same story as her. Had the same story as her, and they're sitting in the crowd, and they hear her story. They hear the pastor talking about her story, and they say, man, I don't know if I really know Jesus. And people got saved in that service, guys. I mean, and the thing was that if, if Lauren would have just kept living her life, just thinking that she really truly was connected to the vine, then... then she may be spending an eternity separated from him. But it was a main part of her, her life to analyze her own fruit. And so, guys, I, I beg you, just take, take a second even now. And, and I don't want to make you doubt. I'm not, that's not the point of this. Don't doubt your salvation if you are a believer. But if you are connected to the true vine, it should make you overflow with the goodness of God, with the, with the ever presence that he had that he's given you, it should make you want to live for him. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, but that's the first point we want to talk about is you have to be connected to the vine, guys. Number two, if you're taking notes, number two, disciples analyze their own fruit. And I capitalize their own for a reason. I don't want you to analyze anybody else's fruit. The Lord doesn't want you to analyze anyone else's fruit. You're not somebody else's fruit inspector. You're not somebody else's fruit inspector. You're supposed to be your own inspector of your fruit, right? We, we see that in the passage right before in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 39. If you're still there, we'll look at it. He says, uh, he also told a parable to them. Can, a blind, can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall in a pit? I thought that was so funny. Like, imagine a blind guy leading a blind guy, like literally. They will both fall into a pit. A disciple is not above his teacher, 
but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Wow. I mean, we have to first, first and foremost follow the right people, right? Obviously, the, the, the person to follow is Jesus Christ. But find you someone around you that will lead you in the path of righteousness, that will lead you for his glory's sake. You have to find people around you that can do that. That's, I mean, that's not even in my notes. Um, why do you look at the splinter in your own brother? Oh, excuse me. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the splinter in your eye, when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye? Hypocrite. <laughs> and that's a harsh word for Jesus saying you ain't you doing you ain't doing something that you're saying you're doing. You ain't doing what you're telling others to do. And in the New Testament. Jesus used this word hypocrite 17 times, and all of them, all of them were like towards religious people. The Greek word, Brother Steve's been talking about this in service sometimes, the Greek word for hypocrite means mask wearers, which I thought was kind of interesting in the, in the season that we're in when everybody actually is wearing a mask. But think about it. A hypocrite means that you are putting something in front of you that is not actually yourself, right? You are, you are telling someone something or you are proclaiming something yourself that is not actually what you're doing. It's not what's behind the mask. And so um, a lot of times we, we think of ourselves and we, and we are this mask wearer. And, and guys, it just comes down to an issue of we're not dealing with our own sin, we're not dealing with our own sin. I mean, I bet some of you tonight have even thought about how, oh, I wish so-and-so would have heard that, man. Like, I wish, I wish he would have listened to him. Guys, analyze our own selves. We're supposed to analyze our own fruit. And so we're going to talk more about that. Keep looking with me. It says, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. We have to deal with our own sin first. That is prideful. For, for anyone to come to someone and, and want to judge someone else before they have actually dealt with it themselves. And a good example of this, uh, I'm, a, I'm a terrible backseat driver. Does anybody else relate to me? I'm a terrible backseat driver, guys. And, and I don't know, I think it's just because I don't like to ride. Like, I, I don't know if it's a control issue or what, but I just hate riding in the car. Like, I don't like riding. I mean, it, may, it makes the trip so much longer when you're riding. I just met, rather drive. Like, that's just, that's just how I am. I don't know. But my wife, Hannah, is the opposite. She hates driving. She'd rather me drive all the time. So it works out good most of the time. But if I'm like, baby, I'm tired. Like, will you drive? And she gets in the wheel. She's like, dang, man, he's going to say something about my driving. I, I just, I, you know, sometimes I don't know if it's because she, God bless her. I love you, Hannah. She, she just can't see sometimes, y'all. She, she, her, she's like almost legally blind. So she's like, it's like really hard for her to see at night especially. And so like, she'll like jolt around. I'm just like, dang, baby, what are you trying to do? Kill me. And, and, and I love her and I love her to death. But, but she will look at me and she'll say, Jacob, you don't have any room to talk. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, fellas. When, you, when your woman says that to you, you know something's up. You ain't got no room to talk. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. And, it's, and I don't say, I, I know that I am a scattered brained individual. I, whenever I'm driving, I'm looking off the road. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if ADD is a real thing, but I, I, feel, I feel like I am that. Like, I'm always looking at stuff off the road and, and, and different things. And so I'm a very distracted driver. So I cannot, I can't say anything to Hannah unless I deal with my own driving first, right? I can't do it, guys. I, I have no room to talk. I have no room to talk about my own driving unless I deal, or excuse me, about Hannah's driving unless I deal with my own driving. And so I know that's a silly illustration, but it's so true. I came to her out of pride. 
I was more wor- I was more convicted about what was going on in her life than I was my own. Who am I? Who am I to do that to her? And better yet, not even, not even someone else, not even another person sitting next to you. We, we do that to people, obviously. But do you do it to God sometimes? Sometimes we're even a backseat driver to God himself. God is sitting in the driver's seat, and we're sitting in the passenger seat saying, why have you done this to me? Why have you allowed me to go through this? I got a DWI in college. Why did you allow me to get a DWI? That's the most silly thing in the world. I knew that I put myself in that position to get that and to have those consequences of my own sin. Yet, I'm going, God, why did you do that to me? That's not the way it works, guys. We have to, we have to own up to our own sin first. We have to analyze our own fruit. And guys, this is just something that God's laid on my heart to, sh- to say to you guys tonight. And if nothing else, if nothing else, think about this. If Jesus Christ himself humbled himself, to the point of death for you and me, how can we ever come to him out of pride? He humbled himself to the point of death, guys. He was perfect. He was blameless. He was sinless. He was the righteous son of God. And yet we point a finger to him and say, look, you're driving it all wrong. Who are we, guys? Who are we? We have to analyze ourselves and say, we have to deal with our own fruit. We have to deal with it ourselves. And so take some time, even now, even now, sitting in your seat, what are some of those things that are holding you back that, are, that, are, that you judge others for, but maybe you haven't repented of it in your own heart? Maybe pride as well. I mean, obviously, you can tell one of mine is pride by the way I treat my wife. I mean, what if, it, what if it's something else? What if it's comparison? What if you compare yourself to others, or, or, or you look at others, and you want to you wanna be like that? Or why have you not dealt with yourself in that? Why have you not dealt with your own issues in that? Anger, anything, you can name it. 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to bring it to the Lord, guys. We have to be our own fruit inspectors and not someone else's. So analyze yourself. I had to do this as I was studying this week. Lord, where, where, where am I missing it? Where am I missing your kingdom, your glory, your power? Where am I missing your presence? Because, guys, I promise you, if you're worried about someone else's sin, you're definitely not worried about your own heart. And that's what we're going to be talking about next. Um, So think about that. Think about that. Be quick to analyze your own fruit and not someone else's or blame God. Um, So number three, the third thing tonight. Third truth about disciples and their fruit. Disciples will produce fruit from what they love. Disciples will produce fruit from what they love. If you don't care about anything else tonight, if you haven't heard a word that I've said tonight, please, 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 please tune into this. This is crucial. Verse 45, it says, A good person produces good fruit out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. Listen to this. This is awesome. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So whatever we store up in our hearts is eventually actually, it's eventually going to come out of us, right? Whatever we store up in our own hearts is eventually going to pour out. As Dakota and I were talking, Dakota said, whatever you put into the well is going to come out of the well. That's what he told me right before I came up here. Whatever you put into the well is going to come out of the well. And that's so true. Did y'all's mamas ever, my mama's here tonight, I love you mama. My mom used to always say, garbage in, garbage out. Y'all ever heard people say that? Garbage in, garbage out. And it's so, I didn't realize my mom was teaching me a, a spiritual truth there. Whatever, whatever we store up in our hearts, whatever we uh, bring into our own lives is what's going to come out, guys. Where's your heart tonight? 
Where is my heart tonight? That's where we want to be. That's where we want to look tonight. And so let's talk about both of them. If you store up evil in your heart, you're going to have evil fruit. And so a few things that I just thought about, if your heart ultimately desires money, what's going to come out? Greed. Selfishness. Anger. I feel like 50% of marriages that end in divorce are just because of money. Money is the, is the root of all kinds of evil. And it, and it says that in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. It says, for the love of money is a... And it doesn't say that money. Notice that. It doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money can be used for all kinds of good things, too. You can, you can use money for good things, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith. Some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. All because of money. Because our, their heart's desire, the inmost being in them, is money. And so we, we have to abstain from that, guys. We can't store that up in our hearts. This is one that hit me in the mouth. What about yourself? What if you're all about yourself? What if, self, what if, what if you are at the root of your heart? Well, you, you start to see selfishness overflow out of you. You start to see things that you wouldn't see normally uh, from a Christian, right? If you act, you know, we're taught to be selfless as a believer. If you are selfish and you, you're all about yourself and if you, you love yourself the most, it's going to come out in your actions. You can see it. I promise you, if you hang out with me long enough, you can ask my wife, if you hang out with me long enough, you'll see what's in my heart that week. If you hang out with me long enough, you'll see it in the way that I talk. You'll see it in the way that I pray. You'll see it in the way that I interact with people. You'll see it. Whatever is in your heart, guys, is what's going to come out of your mouth and what's going to come out in your actions. And even for the approval of people. Guys, sometimes we love the approval of people so much that we will do good things. You can do great things because of uh, you're wanting to please someone, but you know in your mind that that always leads to death. It doesn't ever, it always leaves you dissatisfied. And you will start worshiping the praise of people rather than the one who you should be praising is the Lord. You'll start to worship things that, that you'll start to worship the approval and you'll start to worship those people rather than God himself. And so please, guys, we, have to, we can't store up these things in our heart. We can't store up these things at all. And, and Galatians 1.10 is one of my favorite verses about that. It says, For I am now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still, watch this, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. <laughs> if I was trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't serve both masters. We know that passage. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve yourself and God. It doesn't work like that, guys. We have to, Daniel told us this illustration not too long ago that, that is uh, talked about a divide in our minds. And oftentimes we divide our minds and we keep the things of, of God on one side and the things of ourselves on this side. It can't work that way, guys. You can't play tug-of-war in your mind. We have to be all in storing up good things in our hearts. We have to be storing up things of the kingdom in our hearts. And so a few of those um, would even be remembering what he's done for you. Guys, let me, let me just say this. If you have a deep I'm talking about a deep, passionate love for Jesus Christ. It will show in how you live. It should show in how you live. And so what, what we want to talk about is a few of those things as well. Whatever we have, whatever God has done for you, remember that. God has given you 
a platform. Uh, God has given you a way to share your love of Christ with other people around you. You're a college student. Your campus, I, I hate to break it to you, your campus is lost. Every campus has lost people on it, guys. And so if you have a deep, genuine, passionate love for Jesus, that should overflow in your classrooms. It should overflow at your workplace. It should overflow in different areas of your life. But how many, how many times are we just sit by, be so passive? Man, if you love Jesus, you would share him with others. If you truly love Jesus, it would just overflow out of you. And I know, guys, it's not that way all the time. It's, it's not that way for me all the time. But I have, to, I have to tell myself that if I truly love Jesus... If I truly love Jesus, will I not want to share him with others? Will I not want to actually give myself fully to be able to share him with as many people as I can? Another thing, we should want to be led by his spirit if we truly love him. We should want to be led by his spirit if we truly love him. And if we walk by the spirit, then we'll ultimately be producing fruit of the spirit. And so you guys know in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. And it says in Galatians 5, 16... It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and each of you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then jump down to verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Think about, as I'm reading these, think about if you're actually exhibiting any of these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Guys, if you're being led by the Spirit, and if you're truly seeking that, if you're truly seeking out being led by the Spirit, you will produce these things. Not all the time. Not all the time. But you will be producing these things. You, do you have love? Do you have joy? Do you, are you truly joyful? If you're a believer in Jesus, you have something to be joyful about. Amen? If you're a believer in Jesus, you have something to be joyful about. If you love him, you'll desire time with him. And I know this, you guys hear this all the time. You hear about you know, spending time with Jesus. But I promise you, if, if you can tell when someone truly loves Jesus by the way they spend their time. It, it, my prayer life ramped up as soon as I started being serious about my love for him. And I didn't see it as just a chore or something to check off or maybe I wanted to pray for my family or my friends or whatever. As soon as I got away from that, I remember literally feeling like this love, it couldn't come out of me any other ways, but thank you. Thank you, God. Help me, Lord. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the most crucial prayers that we can pray is say, help. Help. The Lord wants to help us. He wants to, us to spend time with Him. And if we truly desire, if we truly desire Him with all of our hearts, we will spend time with Him. We will pray. Our prayer lives will be ramped up um, drastically. And if you continue to love Jesus, you're going to desire His Word as well. Because how do you know about Jesus? How do you know about God? How do you know, know more about God? It's a church answer. Read the Bible. <laughs> I heard somebody say once, if you want to hear God speak audibly, just read the Bible out loud. I thought that was kind of funny. I, don't know. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Seriously, guys, it's the Word of God, and we read it so that we know Him better, so that we can know God more intimately. And if you, we're thinking about this idea of storing things in our hearts. If we're actually storing it up in our own hearts, it will overflow, right? If I memorize a Bible verse, it's going to help me. It's not going to only help me say, oh, I know this Bible verse, but it's going to help me know whenever I'm in times of need how I can approach those things. Or whenever the divide is in my mind between flesh and spirit, I can battle it with Scripture. 
Daniel's memorizing James 1. Count it all joys, my brothers, when you experience various trials. When, you, when you're going through a trial, experience, you, you have joy because of what Christ has done, not because of anything that you do. So you insert that word that you've stored up in your heart, that you really love him so much because you have it stored up in your heart. It helps you love him and know him and be able to live for him so much more intim- intimately. Excuse me. Psalm 119.11, it says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may, I may not sin against you. That's what we do, guys. We 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 memor- I memorize that verse, and you know, and I treasure it in my heart, and I and I want to know that I want to treasure His heart so that I can uh, live for Him and show fruit um, in my life. And so know that you're connected to the true vine. Obviously, you guys, we have to remember that we have to be connected to the vine first. And so I'm gonna invite the band to come back up here in just a minute, but. We have to be connected truly to the vine first before we can ever produce fruit. A dead tree is not going to produce fruit. Remember that. A dead tree is not going to produce fruit. Secondly, make your life, uh, I mean, excuse me, analyze the fruit in your own life. You can't be someone else's fruit inspector. You have to see, if I truly am connected to the vine, am I abiding in him? You know, we read John 15. It says, you will bear fruit if you what? Are connected to me. You you can't be away from the vine and still produce fruit. It's not going to work. So we have to be connected to the vine, obviously. And then lastly, your heart's deepest passion has to be to know and love Jesus Christ. And if it's not, I pray that you would check it right now. That you would check your heart. See, See where your passions lie. Are you storing up things that are evil in your heart? Are you storing up things that are deceitful in your heart? I mean, really, be honest with yourself tonight. Don't be looking at nobody else or thinking about nobody else. Think about yourself right now. Analyze your own heart. Where are you tonight? If you don't know Jesus Christ, guys, listen to me. It is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. You hear that all the time. It is the most important decision you will ever make. If you don't know Him, what it takes to know Him is very simple. You don't have this scale of your life in heaven to say, oh, well, my good is up here, my bad, you know, I don't know where it is. You can rest assured tonight that you will spend eternity with Him. And and the Bible talks about three different things. That you have to turn from your own ways. You have to turn from your sin. It's hard. Being a believer is not easy. Being a believer in Jesus Christ is not easy. You have to turn from a lot of your ways, a lot of selfishness, a lot of things that are stored up in here that are evil, that divide our minds. You have to turn from those things and turn towards Him. You believe in Him. You believe that Jesus actually came to this earth, that He actually lived a sinless life, that He actually was crucified for you and for me. He was a sacrifice for our behalf. That's crazy to me. Why would he give himself up for me? Yet he still did it. And God said he was gracious to do that. So believe in him. And then you have to receive him as your Lord, as your Savior. You can't, you can't, Lord is another word for master. And so just like I said, you can't serve God in money. He has to be the master of your life. And if you don't, if you're not ready to make a decision for him to be the master of your life, don't give your life to Jesus. Because you'll be thinking that you're a follower of him. But he has to be your master. He has to be your Lord. Everything. He has to be all of it, guys. 
So if that's you tonight, maybe, maybe your story is kind of similar to my sister's. Maybe you've, you know, just thought that, like, I said a prayer or, or I've been trying to do good and it's just not working out. You have to be connected to the vine. You have to be connected to the vine. And for the believer in the room, uh, let, this be, let this be a heart check for you. Where is your heart today? Are you truly producing fruit? Analyze the fruit in your own life. Analyze the fruit in your heart. Are you actually producing If we truly love Jesus, guys, if we truly love Jesus, it will come out of us. You will share Jesus like never before. You will pray like never before. You will read and learn more about God so that your heart would overflow into others around you, into your family, to your friends, to your coworkers. It will will come out of you. So I challenge you, I challenge you to really bear fruit not for any not for your own sake but for his kingdom's sake amen amen